0: This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello and welcome. Welcome to VOA Africa. Thank you for joining us. I'm Yahia Wahid in Washington. Here's what's coming up on Africa News Tonight.
1: It is an issue that concerns all Nigerians and they needed to be consulted. Most people came out to say they didn't know about Naira redesign that the
0: government that's VOA's Abuja Bureau Coordinator Medina Daouda on the controversial currency conversion in Nigeria. Details coming up. Also, a top U.S. diplomat says Zimbabwe must hold free and fair elections. And France and two nonprofit groups will contribute $106 million to an action plan to preserve the world's tropical forests. These stories and more on African News tonight. We start with our top story, Nigeria's Supreme Court today ordered the central bank to extend until December 31st the use of old banknotes whose withdrawal from circulation became an election issue after it caused cash shortages, widespread hardship, and anger. On the other hand, Nigeria's opposition leaders have renewed their calls for the result of the February 25th election to be overturned. I talked to VOA's Abuja Bureau Coordinator Medina Daouda to brief us more on the matter. A lot of issues came during this
1: Naira redesign that everybody in Nigeria, most especially the analysts that we had contacts with, were complaining about the timing of this Naira redesign and how it is going to affect the major issue that is the election that is coming up at that time that Nigeria did not do any Nara redesign in 20 years except now, and they were supposed to have been doing it every five to eight years, nobody would want to take the blame. It is an issue that concerns all Nigerians. And they needed to be consulted. Most people came out to say they didn't know about Naira redesign that the government is intending to do. They just woke up one morning and found the governor of the central bank, Godwin Emefiele, announcing to the country that there's going to be a Naira redesign of three
0: big major currencies. The currency has to be changed. That's true. We're talking about the timing, the timing of okay. the currency change. Election is coming up. Buhari's government actually has defended the central bank's plan to change the Naira for new notes saying it would curb money laundering, kidnapping for ransom, and offer greater transparency in financial transactions. But in a country where most people rely on cash for everything, from taxi fares to buying food from markets, the shortages of the Naira bills has really riled citizens, some of whom have attacked banks and burned cash dispensing machines.
1: People were worried that the elections was coming and the government was deciding to change the currency, even though the reasons they gave, like curbing, kidnapping, and uh, money laundering, and many other things, were the issues at stake to the government then. But one other question you're going to ask is, how many of these problems were solved in this short period of narrow redesign and mopping of currency in the hands of citizens. Till this moment, you know, the bandits are still killing people. We have not heard years of large demand of money, but they still go out to kill people. They go about burning major places, markets, IDP camps, and many other things. So you would say that, yes, their demand for hard currency, money, hard cash, has reduced. But did the banditry reduce? That's one
0: other question that the government was to answer in a very short while. Point well taken. With that background, Nigeria's opposition has now renewed calls for the election results to be overturned. The Labour Party candidate Peter Obi, Atiyah Bakar, with the People's Democratic Party, renewed calls for election results to be overturned.
1: Well, yesterday, I was able to attend three press conferences by three opposition parties. The first one was the People's Democratic Party, where the presidential candidate Atiku Abubakar addressed us. Now, Atiku Abubakar is saying he is going to consult his lawyers on what to do about these elections. He came out to condemn the process. He said INEC was not honest, that the elections were flawed, because Everything that INEC had promised Nigerians, INEC did not do.
0: How about Labour Party candidate Peter Obi?
1: Peter Obi made a statement. He came out to rightly to say his party won the presidential election. And he said that he is going to court to challenge the outcome of the election and he is going to prove to Nigerians that his party won the presidential elections. <laughs>
0: That was our VOA House uh, reporter, Medina Daouda. She talked to me from Abuja. French President Emmanuel Macron kicked off a four-nation tour of Africa this week amid tensions between France and several countries on the continent. Macron is making stops in Gabon, Angola, the Republic of Congo, and the Democratic Republic of Congo. His visit comes at a time when there is increasing disenchantment with the former colonial power and a gravitation towards Russia. Mali and Burkina Faso recently demanded French troops leave their territory. Camisa Kamara is an expert on the Sahel with the United States Institute of Peace and a former foreign minister of Mali. She tells VOA's Carol Van Damme that it is Macron's second term, his second big speech related to his Africa policy, and he wants a fresh start with leaders on the continent.
2: When he was first elected in 2017, he uh, did give a speech in Ouagadougou, the capital city of Burkina Faso, where he announced a new policy, uh, would be um, looking at uh, the youth as the main driver of his policy, but he also wanted to mark uh, a break from his predecessors. And uh, to me, this new uh, policy, as it was described by President Macron, is almost uh, an admission of failure of his previous attempt to do better um, than his predecessors. And, well, is this too little, too late? I think this is what we are going to be seeing um, in the next few months. When you say it's been seen as a failure before, can you get into some of the uh, the politics on the continent with France? What are you referring to exactly? I'm referring to uh, the Sahel region where france didn't really withdraw uh France was actually ousted um host countries have asked france to leave um their countries, which has never happened before in the history of france with africa and uh because this is this was unprecedented um uh and this and this was despite Macron announcing in 2017 that his policy with Africa was a new policy. Um, this was an admission of, of failure that maybe the implementation of this new policy took too long um, and that he really wanted now to hear uh, what Afri- Africans had to say and wanted to revise his policy uh, accordingly. Mm-hmm. To me, his speech on Monday was more for African consumption than, than for friends. Uh, or for French citizens. To coin or to use a phrase that a colleague of mine, African News Tonight colleague, Yehais Wuhebj said today, he said he's basically shopping around for friends on the continent. Would you agree with that? It might be the case, actually, because uh, Macron is not traveling to the Central African Republic or to the Sahel where um, his uh, military performance was um, a, a debacle, a disaster um, he's looking now at, at uh, countries of uh, in Central Africa, where France's footprint is still important, uh, but he wants to try a new thing. So he he might be shopping uh, for, for new partners. And as part of the new strategy, French military bases will be transformed into military academies, we're told, while others will be eventually run by both African leaders and French leaders. What more do you know about this new setup? Well, it's the new narrative that President Macron was, wants to put forward. Um, he's not saying I will leave. Uh, what this says is I still don't want to be present. I want to be present in a new form, and hopefully this will be an acceptable form.
0: That's Kamisa Kamara, an expert in Africa with the United States Institute of Peace and a former foreign minister of Mali. She was speaking with VOA's Carol Van Dam from Oxford, England. France and two nonprofit organizations will contribute one hundred six million dollars to an action plan for preserving the world's tropical forests. Macron unveiled the new outlay at the close of the One Forest Summit in Gabon yesterday. Macron said France will put up half the new funds with the rest coming from two US. Organizations, Conservation International, and the Walton Foundation. Massive clearing of tropical forests for agriculture or timber is a growing problem worldwide, threatening to worsen climate change and destroy critical biodiversity. A top U.S. diplomat says... Zimbabwe must hold free and fair elections and also expressed concern about legislation to restrict private voluntary organizations. Rutendo Maweri reports from Harare.
3: The U.S. Assistant Deputy Secretary of State, Robert Scott, told journalists in Zimbabwe this week that it is important for Washington to have a dialogue with
4: the Harare government. Uh, We spoke about the upcoming elections, all agreed for the need for... Uh, nonviolence for leaders to continue to call for um, clear transparency. Uh, elections. Scott,
3: who arrived in Harare on Wednesday, spoke after meeting with Zimbabwean Foreign Affairs Minister Frederick Shava and other government officials. Zimbabwe President Emerson Mnangagwa has indicated the national elections will be held in August, although he is yet to announce the actual dates. Scott said he and Shava also discussed the controversial private voluntary organization amendment bill. Non-governmental organizations, opposition political parties and human rights activists say the bill would be devastating if enacted as it would curtail their operations. The United Nations and International Rights Groups also have criticized the bill which is awaiting President munangagwa's signature. The President has said he will sign it saying it is good for the nation. Despite the extension of U.S. and European Union sanctions for another year, Foreign Affairs Minister Shava says Scott's visit is an opportunity to create a cordial relationship.
5: I very much welcome the opportunity to discuss with you
3: matters of interest to both countries and hopefully uh,
5: start charting a path of friendly relations between our two countries.
3: Shava and Scott also discussed US help in fighting HIV and AIDS, demining in Zimbabwe communities, and the issue of debt restructuring. The African Development Bank is leading an effort to restructure Zimbabwe's $17 billion debt. Scott who previously served as the U.S. Ambassador to Malawi and as the Deputy Chief of the U.S. Mission in Zimbabwe, left Harare Friday. For VOA, this is Rutendo Mawere in Harare.
0: You're listening to African News Tonight on The Voice of America. A report this week said... Ethiopia wants to terminate a U.N.-backed investigation into abuses committed during the two-year Tigray war. Reuters news agency said Ethiopia is lobbying governments to back a resolution that would end the mandate of the Commission conducting the investigation. Rights groups say stopping the probe on alleged war crimes would deny justice and undermine the credibility of the U.N. Human Rights Council. Maya Meseker reports from Addis Ababa, Ethiopia.
6: Human Rights Watch this week published a letter 63 rights groups to the UN Human Rights Council expressing concern about Ethiopia's plans to introduce a motion to end the commission probing the war in Tigray region. Amnesty International, one of the groups to sign the letter, says terminating the mandate of the commission would have serious consequences. Amnesty's Horn of Africa campaigner Suad Noor says it would only serve what she calls Ethiopia's deeply embedded culture of impunity.
7: It will also deny justice for victims and survivors of gross human rights violations. This is including sexual violence from a highly atrocious conflict.
6: The UN Commission was established a year after war broke out between Ethiopia's government and forces in the country's Tigray region in November 2020. Rights groups say both sides are guilty of atrocities, including torture, mass executions, detentions and rapes. Ethiopia's government has from the beginning opposed the Commission's investigation and tried a year ago to block funding for it, calling it politically motivated but failed to get enough votes. But diplomats this week told Reuters that Ethiopia is seeking support for a motion it plans to introduce at the UN Human Rights Council to end the Commission's mandate six months early. Ethiopia's government has not commented directly on the Reuters report. But in prepared remarks at the opening of the African Union summit on February 15, Ethiopia's Deputy Prime Minister, Demek confirmed the plan.
5: This commission could undermine the EU-led peace process and the implementation of the peace agreement with inflammatory rhetoric. It could also undermine the effort of national institutions
6: the printed speech given to some media went on to say that Ethiopia prepared a resolution for terminating the Commission's mandate that will be presented at the Council's upcoming session. It then called on the African Union to endorse our resolution and assist us to terminate this unwarranted mandate. But Mecca did not read that part of the written speech during his remarks. Reuters quoted Western diplomats saying they were urging Ethiopia to back off its plan to submit the motion saying it would set a terrible precedent. At an AU summit press briefing, VOA asked UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres to comment on the Deputy Prime Minister's attack on the UN Commission.
5: The only thing I can testify is that the human rights work of the UN system is a work that is always positive in relation to peace processes.
6: The African Union brokered a November peace deal between Tigrayan forces and the Ethiopian government after fighting that killed tens of thousands, with some estimates in the hundreds of thousands. Suad Nur of Amnesty International says for peace to be sustainable, there must be justice and accountability. The Ethiopian government rejected the UN Commission's September report, which found widespread violations by both sides, including the governments using starvation as a method of warfare. Maya Misakir for VOA News, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia.
0: A group of African lawyers is calling for the release of a South Sudanese rights activist allegedly taken by security forces last month from his family's home in Kenya's capital, Nairobi. The family of Maurice Mabior believes he was forcibly deported to South Sudan, where he was an outspoken critic of official abuses and corruption. Both South Sudanese and Kenyan authorities have refused to comment on his alleged abduction, raising fears for his safety. Mohamed Yasuf reports from Nairobi, Kenya.
7: The Pan-African Lawyers Union has filed a complaint against the Kenyan and South Sudanese governments in connection with the disappearance of Maurice Mabior, a South Sudanese refugee and government critic in Nairobi. The union's chief executive officer, Donald Dare, Tovewe, a complaint was filed at the East African Court of Justice for the unlawful abduction and rendition of the refugee.
5: So for us, what we are going for is a court order to do exactly the same, that the court orders that he be produced immediately, that he be medically examined and that he be released. Uh, and if not, he should immediately be charged. If they have any offence for which they're holding him, he should immediately be charged in a court of law where his rights will be, able to be protected.
7: Mabior was allegedly taken from his home in Nairobi on February 4th by men dressed in Kenya's police uniform. His sister-in-law, Ajak Mayen, says Mabior was targeted because he criticised the South Sudanese security sector and bad governance.
8: He was talking about the human rights violation and, and all these cases of corruption especially the, the 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 system how the national security are running the affairs the disappearances of people the assassinations and all the corruptions he started mentioning names and you know uh our country is not that we don't have that much freedom of expression so if you talk if you expose somebody that is in power, they will immediately come after you.
7: Local and international human rights organisations have condemned Mabior's disappearance and urged authorities to locate him. Rights groups have also accused Kenya of violating refugee rights and UN and African Union conventions that call for the protection of people fleeing conflict and persecution. There says Kenya and South Sudan violated the rights of the asylum seeker.
5: He was in refuge in Kenya because he was being threatened back home by the National Security Service. So unfortunately, um, early on, at the beginning of this month, in a joint operation of Kenyan and um, uh, at, uh, South Sudanese security, they were able to abduct him from Nairobi and most probably delivered him to the Blue House in uh, Tujuba,
7: Blue House is a detention centre run by South Sudan's National Security Service. Human Rights Watch says it is a place where critics of the government are held indefinitely, tortured and forcibly disappeared. Mayen says the family believes her brother-in-law still held there.
8: Someone has reached out to us that he had met him during an interrogation and he he, he was asking about his wife because he has left one of the wives here in Nairobi and reached out to me to ensure us that he is safe, though he was tortured on the past days when he was taken to Juba. But I believe he is still in Blue House.
7: Mayen says her family has contacted Kenyan police to inquire about Mabior's disappearance, but has yet to receive an answer. Kenyan and South Sudanese officials declined to respond to VOA's request for comment on Mabior's disappearance. Mohamed Yesu for VA News, Nairobi.
0: The Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species of Wild Fauna and Flora, known as CITES, turns 50 today. Its goal is to ensure that international trade in animals and plants does not threaten their survival in the wild. But how effective has it been in protecting one of the most endangered species in the planet, the pangolin? VOA's Veronica Balderas Iglesias delved into the matter.
4: How many pangolins are there in the wild? The answer is as elusive as the nocturnal scaly anteater, the most trafficked mammal in the world. In Uganda, conservationists are using artificial intelligence cameras to track them down and get real-time alerts of imminent threats. Naomi Matthews, a monitoring coordinator with Chester
1: Zoo, explained via Skype. The AI technology essentially can send us an email within a few seconds of seeing a pangolin to tell us exactly where that pangolin is. So it enables us to focus on specific areas to prioritize our conservation efforts. It's a
4: race against the clock. Pangolins, one of the world's most endangered animals, are being poached primarily for their scales which some believe have medicinal properties, although without robust scientific evidence. Illegal trade keeps happening, even though all eight species of the pangolin family have been assigned the highest level of protections under the Convention of International Trade in Endangered Species of Wild Fauna and Flora. Society Secretary General Yvonne Higuero spoke with VOA via Skype. In Africa generally is the source country these days going through the transit countries, often Singapore, and to destination countries like Vietnam, like uh, China. CITES bans the commercial trade of all pangolin species internationally with few exceptions. But each member country adopts their own national laws. In that context, it can only urge countries to do more when it comes to enforcement and accountability. The punishments have to be much more severe. punished with serious jail time with serious fines. Citizens who browse the Internet can report suspicious listings of pangolin products for sale to the Coalition to End Wildlife Trafficking Online, which works with tech companies to remove them. But finding concrete evidence of illicit trade can be tricky, says analyst Ellen Pyra with the Center for Advanced Defense Studies. The actual transactions or negotiations for the sale of wildlife might even be happening in direct messages which cannot be viewed uh, externally, In the end, the most effective conservation programs are community-based, according to Adam Payman, Director of Wildlife Programs for Humane Society International. In Africa, for example, they're really working with their communities and instead of just policing them. Really sort of uh, uh, enforce the idea that, um, you know, pangolins should not be targeted as bushmeat. Payman stressed that pangolins can eat up to 70 million ants and termites in a year. Protecting them is vital to prevent the collapse of the greater ecosystems which they inhabit. Veronica Valderas Iglesias, VOA News, Washington.
0: And that wraps up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Yehiles Wuhib in Washington. For all the latest developments on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, Mokbili Abaro, and our engineer, Joe Gill, thanks for choosing the Voice of America.